0: Hey everybody! This is Cam Ayala, aka ABC Cam, from season 15 of The Bachelorette with Miss Anna Brown, and season six of Bachelor in Paradise. And I am getting extra cozy here with Aaron.
1: Hey, y'all! Welcome back to Getting Cozy with Aaron Hill, and we really appreciate you tuning in every week. I'd like to surprise you guys with some guests that are maybe from a few seasons ago um, on The Bachelor or, you know, people who you wanted to get to know that you maybe didn't think that you knew the true them. So very excited today to have with me Cam Ayala in the house, virtually. Yay! What's
0: up, Erin?
1: Hey, thank you so much for calling in.
0: Here's the villain.
1: Surprise. No, not at all. No, I am so excited to have you here. I have wanted to interview you actually for a very long time since watching Hannah's season because I do believe that you got a terrible edit that you were not the person that you were portrayed. So we're going to get to that for sure and you're going to have a redemption right here on this podcast. But before, I love to ask my guests about their childhood, where they grew up. We don't know any of that, right? We only know of who you were on the show. So please just let us get to know you better. Go for it.
0: Sure. Um, yeah, I guess you guys didn't get to see that because I was nowhere near close to a hometown. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I am uh, also a Southern boy. I know you, you mentioned you're, you're from the South, too. So I'm from Houston, Texas. I was born and raised there and um, pretty suburban area and um, have an amazing family. Mom and Dad, are still married. Have an older sister, Kara. She still lives in Houston as well. Just recently got engaged, and you know, just adulting super hard. Um, but uh, I, I think everyone assumed I was from Austin because that's where I was living at the time when I was going to do casting and when I left for Hannah's season of The Bachelorette. I, I lived in Austin for about eight years for work. Um, great city, but uh, Houston is now where I boomerang back to. That's where I live where I work and it's likely where I'll die
1: (laughs) and do you love Houston
0: I am falling back in love with Houston and the reason I say that is I think a lot of people um, regardless of where they're from whenever you graduate high school you think that's your big opportunity to either go live in a different city or a different state or maybe even a different country and I've always been of the belief that just because you were born and raised somewhere doesn't mean that you're obligated to return there. but for me, I think I gave Houston a pretty bad rap um, once I graduated because I was like so in love with the city of Austin because they're so different. I even lived in Los Angeles for a couple years for work, so I didn't really have any aspirations or expectations of moving back to Houston. But now that I am back here for, for my new career, which is something I absolutely love, which I'm sure we may go into that later on. but. Houston is such a unique city. Experiencing it now as an adult, like getting to go to the different restaurants and bars, museums, and all the different um, other cool venues that they have. Obviously, now they're closed because of coronavirus, but um, I definitely have created a, a new Houston bucket list that I get to experience the city as an adult.
1: I have to say, I really enjoy both Austin and uh, Houston, and you're right. They're completely different cities, but both have such wonderful things you know to love about
0: them. Absolutely, yeah, for sure,
1: so when I'm asking you about your childhood as far as like what kind of little boy were you were you into sports were you um what were your interests what what did you enjoy doing
0: yep so i I played sports like most of my close friends growing up played baseball, football, and basketball, I mean, you can't live in in Texas and not play football, but mm-hmm. I was predominantly um basketball that was my sport of choice Uh, I I played pretty much as long as I can remember like the YMCA days and then even up until I played basketball my freshman year of college Um, but I always had something that I was battling with which when I was 11 years old I was diagnosed with a disease called lymphedema which um, something that didn't really get to air when I was on the Bachelorette or Paradise I did talk about it to a couple of different castmates but um, it's something that has really shaped who I am as an individual. And as a young kid, when you're diagnosed with a disease that has no cure and it's progressive in nature, and you're basically told all the things that you'll never be able to do, like as a kid, you should avoid bug bites and scraping your knee because you can get an infection. Like all of these long lists of things that would prohibit you from living a, you know, fulfilling childhood. I still overcame those odds and. Was able to, to be very active and live a, you know, I'm doing air quotes, but a, a pretty normal childhood. Now, granted, I did have had several knee surgeries that um, sidelined me from season to season and uh, things with, with my careers in the past. Um, but I, I think I've found my niche now and all the trials and tribulations that I went through as a kid has definitely given me a appreciation for things like health and just being able to walk and um, and having the loved ones around you who are going to be there for you in the recovery room at a hospital and not just mad because you can't go to a summer trip with the rest of the bros.
1: Right. It puts a lot of things in perspective. I'm so glad you shared that with us because I'm sure very few people have any idea that you went through that or are still – you said it's not curable, so you still have that.
0: Yeah, I'm still definitely managing it. And I think just the older I've gotten and – meeting with some of the top healthcare professionals in the United States. in what I do professionally as a compression therapy consultant, I have now have all the right tools in my tool chest to successfully manage this condition and ultimately educate other patients and physicians and researchers to, you know, bring awareness to potentially get a cure. And that's, that's really my life mission now is to live this day to see the day where, you know, myself or my kids will get to, to see a time where, where lymphedema is just a
1: word of the past. Well, I'm so glad you're using your platform for good. So many choose not to do that. So I'm going to applaud you for that. Thank you so much. And I know that's a passion of yours and we will get into that um, in a little bit for sure. You can talk more about your chosen career and the career that you're in currently. Let's talk about how your life kind of got you onto show like The Bachelorette. Did you go to college for any particular career did you kind of have, you know, that job in mind when you were, when you were in college?
0: So, uh, no, not, not at all. The, the fact that I'm doing what I'm doing now is is strictly, you know, serendipitous. And, and really the universe and the stars aligning. And I, one of the quotes that one of my old mentors told me back in high school, um, he said, you know, your first job, Cam, is very likely not going to be your last job. It's all trial and error, and somebody who tells you they have life figured out is a bold-faced liar. So <laughs> I went to Texas, Texas A&M University Ooh. in College Station, and that's predominantly a school for uh, people in the energy industry, uh, oil and gas, um, a really big agricultural school. So I didn't have any aspirations of getting into any of those fields or industries. Um, I did oil and gas for a little bit, but I studied communication because I knew that was Ambiguous enough to really be applied to any vertical. And if I could master and craft my communication skills, you know, I would be successful in sales or any type of um, customer or client services type of role. So, again, I didn't think that I would ever end up doing the position I'm in now, and let alone how that position was directly correlated to my time on reality TV. But um, <laughs> it's all weird how everything just kind of took place. So I, I think you were wanting to know like how I got involved in, in going on the bachelorette, correct?
1: Yes. How did that come to be?
0: Yeah. So I was dating this girl who's, um, what did I say, was Canadian? No, she's still Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's great. But she was living in Austin, Texas, at the time when, when I was there, and um, we dated for about nine months. And um, when her work visa was on the verge of expiring. She went to get it renewed, and it actually got denied, and um, which basically put us in one of those weird positions in a relationship where it's like, okay, we can go down to the courthouse and get married so you can legally stay here, but it will still be anywhere from eight months to a year and a half until you get a green card so you can legally work because she's a chiropractor, so she couldn't work on patients without a green card. Or we could try the long distance you know, me being in Texas and her being in Canada, or the third scenario is we just decided to part ways. And after, you know, over two and a half weeks of just back and forth of deciding what was best for us in the long run, we just decided that not doing the distance and, and not rushing something like marriage was going to be best for us because we're still getting to know each other. So we just decided that it wasn't meant to be, and we broke up. And, and how? And
1: Pam, I'm sorry to interrupt, but how, uh, yeah. how old were you at this time?
0: Um, I was twenty eight, almost twenty nine when that happened. I'm thirty one now. When I when I went through the casting process for the bachelorette, I was twenty nine just right about to turn thirty. So um I actually had a friend who was a producer for a completely different show. Um actually the show My Six Hundred Pound Life. I don't know if you if you see that show. I have seen it uh, or I've I've heard on, of it. On CLC. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of cool because now I actually get to see a lot of that doctor's patients because he operates out of Houston, so it's all kind of come full circle. Oh,
1: that's But anyway,
0: cool. so my friend, she was a producer for that show, and she was moving to Austin from California, and so we met up one night for, for happy hour, and she started asking me, like, you know, hey, you seeing anybody now? I'm like, no, no, I just you know, recently got something pretty serious, and so I'm just kind of taking it day by day and not really – doing dating apps or anything like that. And so she's like, well, why don't you go on The Bachelorette? And I go, no, no way in hell am I doing that. (laughs) I never watched the show. Uh, Like most guys, I've just seen bits and pieces just from either watching with my mom or my sister or past girlfriends. Or um, I I did briefly watch part of JoJo's season because I knew James Taylor from that season. We uh, went to college together and played music in the past. So I I knew him, but that was really... Yeah, that was really my only connection to to the, to the Bachelor Nation franchise. So it, it, it never really seemed like a realistic thing for me to get involved in. But after that happy hour, um, I guess she basically nominated me. And the next day, I was getting a call from casting. And that kind of kick-started the process.
1: Wow, that is very exciting. I mean, it happened so quick. And so, as you put it you know, serendipitously, I guess it was kind of meant to happen. I love this. I love talking to you guys. I'm always surprised by these little nuggets that, you know, come out. You're on the show. Well, you go you go through the process, and then you find out you're going to be on the show as one of the contestants. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Remember what, that
0: phone call very well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Take us through that. Like, how did it happen? Were you excited? What were your initial feelings about it?
0: I... I think going through just the whole casting process, I kept a, a pretty level head, thinking, okay, like just the fact that I've made it this far is cool. You know, it, it's a good party story. You know, it's a good a good war story to tell friends. At The time I was almost on a very popular reality TV show, so like to be truthful, I didn't even think I was going to get casted. Not because I like lacked the confidence. I just like, well, you know, this is a show that only thirty guys are going to be casted, and there's tens of thousands of applicants. So like, you know, either they like me or they don't. So when it happened, when I got the call, I was like, you know, jumping for joy just because I'm like, all right, well, guess I'm going to LA and <laughs> the the funny part was is when I had my buddies drive me to the airport right for, for my flight out to LA for, for the beginning of the journey, they said, Okay, Cam, three things you gotta promise us. One, you don't get eliminated night one check, okay? <laughs> Two, you don't be the villain. And three, you don't cry. So <laughs> two out of the three. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. And, and obviously a lot of that's outside of my my control. Um, but uh, I, I was shocked when I was one of the five guys selected to meet Hannah at, after the final rose. Because at that point in time, like, we weren't even at the mansion. So I'm like, okay, I'm guessing I'm getting kind of a, a head start on the competition.
1: That was, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine... Thinking that you're gonna meet her, you know, that first night with all the other 29 guys, but then you're you get that special privilege of meeting her first. So was that nerve-wracking beyond AFR and meeting her like in such a, you know, it was super quick, right? Did you even were you even able to um, practice or have any prep <laughs> before?
0: Well, so originally I wanted to read her like a poem that I wrote backstage like in the in the green room because we couldn't see any of the other guys like you're just by yourself and you'll have like a producer come in there and and talk to you whatever briefly but um I was actually really really nervous and not like to the matter of stage fright but it's like okay here I am about to meet this girl who could potentially be my future fiance and sort of like going through all that and oftentimes when we are kind of talking ourselves through oblivion, we have our friends or family there to, like, talk us off the cliff or like, hey, no, like, snap out of it. But because you're removed from the outside world, you're literally just in your head the entire time. I know that's cliche. (laughs) I'm sure you've heard a ton of castmates say that. But it really is true. And so when the producer said, hey, well, you know, let's bring more energy. Why don't you do a rap for her instead? And so I'm like, all right, well... (laughs) the fact that I'm going to have to do a rap for her in front of a live studio audience on live TV, like there's no margin for error. Like I can't screw up. Like I don't get multiple takes. Like it's not scripted. So Uh, I'm going to need to a shot or two. So that (laughs) calmed the nerves a little bit. But when I went out there and, and met her for the first time and did my little freestyle rap for her, like I was super nervous. Um, and then when she gave me the rose, like, first off, we didn't even know that that was a thing. I didn't know it was a thing. But uh, that kind of gave me early affirmation, which could have contributed to my downfall and, and also putting a pretty big target on my back going into the mansion night one. But, right. uh But, I mean, it was a unique experience for sure.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, I thought you nailed the wrap. I thought it was amazing. It was unexpected. You know, you could tell that she loved it. And, yeah, I'll put you on the map for sure. Um, I feel like I feel like anytime you have any kind of edge over anybody else, of course there's going to be a target on your back. So let's talk about how that all unfolded. And you, okay, so you arrive night one. Who are you in the limo with? By the way, do you remember everyone in your limo? Uh,
0: I there's like a ton of different limos, um, like groups because you think it's thirty guys. It's not like just we're all piled in one limo. Um, I was with uh, Little John or Jonathan. I was with Grant, so Grant's the one who did the hot dog, Jonathan did the pizza. Um, I was with Luke um, Stone, not Parker, and then uh, Darren, yeah.
1: Okay.
0: He he went home I think like week two or so, but yeah.
1: Okay. And you've met her before, so I'm sure you're nervous, but nowhere near as nervous as everyone else because you have, like I said, that edge. So, she immediately remembers you, right? I love that when you guys saw each other again, it was super cute. And you were excited to see I her. I was
0: actually more nervous the second time around. Oh. Because it's like, because you know, I was in a familiar place in the sense that, like, okay, I recognize the Bachelor Mansion. Like, that's where, like, all becomes surreal. Like, you feel like you're on a movie set because you see all the large cranes with the lights, and that's the first time you really see the camera crew and everyone who's seen the show and knows like the infamous limo entrances. Like that's like your moment to shine uh, or your moment to really screw up. <laughs> so again, they wanted me to double down on the wrapping, which I didn't necessarily want to do. Um, I wanted to do something that kind of related to like the notebook because it's my favorite movie. But anyway, they wanted me to double down on the wrap and I, basically as soon as we pulled up to the mansion like I started having a panic attack because I forgot all the words to the rap that I wrote in the hotel earlier that afternoon and so what you guys saw on tv was like a legitimate true freestyle rap and I didn't remember any of it and so until I watched it back like everyone else the general public so um that was pretty pretty nerve-wracking but like once once that was over with and I was like okay hey like I'm I'm excited to go on this journey with you. Like, you know, I'll, I'll see you back inside. I got something planned. And then that's when it just kind of like was was pretty mellow after that.
1: Oh. And did you right off the bat get along with several of the guys in the house or were you just kind of – how are you feeling when you were in there? Like were you feeling like a part of the group at, at that moment or just kind of trying to feel things out?
0: So it, it's so funny because like – Like, reliving it back in my head, like, everyone was really, like, everyone was pretty cool with each other. There's there's not, at least in our season, there wasn't a whole lot of drama night one, like, between the guys. It was really just between Hannah and that guy, Scott, who I guess had a girlfriend back Mm -hmm. home or whatever. Yeah. That's what sucked up most of the drama. But Hmm. beyond that, most of the guys, we we were fine. I mean, it's weird. You're just trying to navigate, like, how do we act in this environment? Do I eat food? Do I drink? Am I drinking too much? Uh, You know, how am I going to go create time to talk with this girl who I need to talk with you know the night's getting longer and and it's getting late how do I you know it's it's there's no rule book essentially what it comes down to and I just treat it like a regular house party I mean granted I've I guess was basically already saved because I had a rose I I wasn't nervous going into the rose ceremony I mean I guess technically she could have taken it away if she (laughs) wanted to but I I guess I was already validated and and I could tell there are a couple of guys who are somewhat distant to me and not super eager to talk to me, but um, but other than that, I mean, for the most part, until I crashed the group date, I got along with pretty much all the guys. I was like the house chef. I would make breakfast and dinner in the mornings and the evenings and didn't really have any beef with anybody until, until I did.
1: The house chef. Oh, I love that. Well, they were lucky to have you then. We didn't see any of that. I mean, I don't remember watching you... You know, I don't, did they ever like put that on the show? Cause I don't remember you <laughs> chefing
0: it up. Nothing good.
1: <laughs> right? I'm like, wait a minute. That's not, that's not fair. Um, No, you let us know all the good stuff. Cause you know, that's not what we saw, unfortunately. Okay. So that first night passes. You're fine. And then the next day, I mean, when did you start to kind of feel the tension where there's just like it, this build? Was it a buildup or was like right away you were thrown into the drama?
0: Um, no, not right away. Um, I think once the one-on-ones and the group dates started to happen, that's when the drama tended to um, to start to build. I, I wasn't on the first group date where I guess Luke Parker said he was already falling in love with her, which I think that ruffled a lot of feathers initially. Mm-hmm. Um, but then shortly thereafter, I ruffled even more feathers by crashing a group date that I wasn't invited to. So <laughs> that is for me when everything went downhill very quickly. And I don't think I've ever properly recovered from that. I mean, not me personally, but me in terms of my, my bachelor brand, if you will.
1: Right. So how did that happen? Did you tell producers that you would like to attend and they're like, Okay, sure, we'll take you. I mean, what were you like what tell us the logic behind that? Like, was it being um strategic? Love to know.
0: So You know, we talked about this earlier. I got the first row, so I was feeling that affirmation early on, but I think anybody who's been in that environment knows that confidence and a high from, like, a moment that you get with the lead is very short-lived because she's experiencing those same things with other people, right? So if you don't maintain continuity of of the momentum of building that relationship, you can fall behind very quickly. And because I wasn't on the first – Instead of uh one-on-one dates or group dates like I was just honestly going a little bit stir-crazy in the mansion I think at that point in time me and Connor that's were the only ones who hadn't been on a date yet so when I knew that they were going out for this group date um Hannah had come to the mansion the night before and she's like hey I, you know it's cool that you guys are all getting along but this isn't summer camp and I'm looking for a bold man and so, the way I interpreted that is that she wants someone who's going to be there just for her, and not here to be friends with all the guys. So when I knew they were on the group date, I was like, you know, I just would like to see her and just say, hey, I hope you have a, a fun night, and just give her a small romantic gesture, bring her flowers, right? And that's all that I did. I literally told a producer, I said, hey, let's let's go um, get to where I can see her. I just want to drop off flowers wish her a good night and then be done with it. But obviously that got completely blown out of proportions and all the guys were pissed off about that. I'm like, but guys, like what, what rule did I, did I break? And nobody gave me an answer Mm -hmm. of of me being in the wrong. In fact, two of the guys, uh, Tyler C and Kevin were like, I guess all is fair in love and war. And I go, yeah, my point exactly. So why are y'all wasting time bickering at me when you need to be go, you know, trying to talk to her. So
1: I mean, would you agree that she appreciated the gesture?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, when you see it aired, uh, the juxtapositioning of her facial reaction didn't seem that way. But, like, her and I talking, I was like, look, like, I'm sorry if this is coming off as rude. But, like, um, I'm a firm believer in in romantic gestures. And whether it's a large one or a small one, I think it's important to maintain that throughout the course of a relationship. And so I just wanted to come here tonight to let you know that I am here for you. And... I've actually spent more time in the mansion than any of the other guys. So I can tell you that there are a lot of great guys here in this group. And if it is going to be you and I at the end of this, I want you to have fully vetted through them to know that you have no second guesses or thoughts with me. And so that was my intention. And it was like maybe a two-minute conversation. And then I was like, all right, well, um, let me walk you in the door and I'll you know, head on back to the mansion. I hope to see you later this week. And give a little good night kiss. And that was it. But then it was me waiting outside the meeting that the guy started attacking me one by one. And again, that's where my downfall really started.
1: Yeah, it's the editing is so frustrating sometimes. I mean, even as viewers, we want to know what really happened. We don't want to have who we're watching, you know, be twisted and us wondering, like, well, is that the real them? And that's very frustrating, I think, for a viewer, for sure. And with her, I mean, I meant to ask you this earlier, but what were your first impressions of her?
0: Um, you know, she, she's pretty girl, obviously, but, um, I honestly didn't get enough one-on-one time with her to like really, truly get a good sense of her. I mean, we, we had some, some funny small talk and she has a good sense of humor and this and that, but I didn't really get to get to the meat and potatoes of her, right? I didn't get to really talk to her too much about her childhood or what she's looking for in a partner. So, um, I just it, it's all been pretty limited and it, it'd be interesting just to have a conversation with her this day and age like without the cameras rolling and see what she's like without all the tick and the social media and the cameras around
1: <laughs> right
0: just to get hey like we did reality tv but let's be real human beings here for a minute
1: and remind us what week you went home because I want to say it was like fifth is that right? Fourth, fifth. I know
0: it was. It, it may seem like that because the first couple of weeks, me and Luke Parker were getting more airtime than than Hannah seemed <laughs> like. Uh, but no, I went home week two right two? after um, the group. Uh, yeah, the the, the group date where we did the the picnic tailgate thing at the mansion. So I never even got to like doing the um, domestic or obviously the the foreign travel.
1: Wow! I would never, never have guessed.
0: The <laughs>
1: never have guessed it was week two. That that says a lot about you, Cam. That you really did like make a name for yourself while you were there. <laughs> Tell us where that whole ABC came from.
0: <laughs> so there's the old Alec Baldwin movie, um, Glenn Carey Ross. It's like an old sales movie. So anybody who's been in the sales business, like, has probably seen that movie where they yep. reference that scene where he's like, "ABC always be closing." yep and when i was uh living in austin about almost two years ago uh, one of my sales managers had made a comment he's like you know first off like everyone calls me cameron like cam is just something my close friends call me and my boss is like you know what let's just try something let's shorten your name to cam because your biggest client calls you cam like he's one of your best friends and you do really well when you're just yourself just like always be yourself I'm like okay like why don't we just say ABC always be can and like we just like had an inside laugh joke about that <laughs> and so I never even say that to any of my closest friends like the whole ABC thing but when I said it night one in the mansion like just joking around <laughs> with, with one of the Luke's one of the producers was like, yes, we love that. And so that kind of became this ongoing inside joke that I had no idea was going to be edited the way in which it did that makes it seem like I just talk in third person all the time. <laughs> right. So, um, but I guess it, it from a brand equity standpoint, it works well because the show is on ABC Network. So mm-hmm. they were just able to, to double down on that. And so like now if I ever – get recognized in public. They don't even say Cameron or Cam. They say ABC Cam. Like, that's, like, who I am now.
1: <laughs> that is your brand. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I mean, it was, like, so. a, it was a win-win, right? Still, I'm reeling from the fact that you said you were <laughs> you left week two. That is insane. Yeah. I'm curious, who were you closest to in the house? I mean, you weren't there too long, but I'm sure you made some friendships while you were there. Who were you closest to?
0: Yeah. I'd say it was a combination of... Uh, John Paul Jones, Garrett, uh, Dustin, and um, <laughs> coincidentally Big Mike. Like, I and, and honestly, like, I didn't have any issues with anybody. Um, like personally, like, I didn't get in any fights with anybody. But I think the whole group date crashing thing rubbed people the wrong way, and they started thinking I was like sneaky and slimy. So I don't know. But again, I wasn't there to like make friends anyway I have great friends in Texas
1: so yeah you were there to get the girl that was to me that was obvious I mean I think that's why and that's
0: the point though right but, yeah you know, shame on me for for trying to <laughs> be tenacious
1: and she even had said she wanted you guys to be that way so I, that's just that seems unfair that you would be you know chastised for that is there anything that you would do over is there anything that you regret doing or something you would want to do over during your time on the bachelor's
0: um, So I think one of the things that, again, was my downfall, and this did air, is when I basically told all the guys before the tailgate party, I was like, hey, guys, there's something serious I need to talk to Hannah about, and I think there's this common misconception that I've had a lot of one-on-one time with her, which I really hadn't, and so I was like, hey, if you guys can just give me 10 minutes to talk to her about something serious that's impacted my past relationships. And my life, frankly, like, I would appreciate that. And that was me going to be telling Hannah about my lymphedema. And I think I should have just, like, told her without telling the guys I was going to talk to her about something serious because that's what gave Mike the idea to then tell her, to tell Hannah that I was going to use my disease to get a pity rose. And at that Mm -hmm. point in time, she, I guess, already had a stronger relationship and connection with Mike, so she chose to believe him over me, which is still, like, to this day, I haven't gotten an apology, and I'm not, whatever, I've moved on. But it, it just sucks that one of the main reasons why I got sent home is because I got accused of trying to leverage and, and manipulate Hannah with my disease to get sympathy pity rose, which is just complete bullshit.
1: Yeah, again, just not fair. And one of the things that you know I wanted you to address, because people saw what they saw, and they're going to have the opinion, so I'm glad that you did address that. And, you know, I was just curious to, to know if you would go back and change anything. So that's good to know. So that day that you – the when you left on that rose ceremony of the second week, how did you feel? Did you feel like you didn't get enough time with her? Did you feel slighted? Or were you like, yeah, maybe this isn't my girl?
0: Uh, all the above. I mean, I, I think anybody who's in that environment, time is, is the most precious commodity. You just don't get a lot of it, and it's not guaranteed. And without having a one-on-one – for traveling and getting to have a lot more um, group dates, you just you don't really get the opportunity to to foster and to grow that that relationship and that connection. So yeah, I mean, there's that piece, but I definitely did feel slighted because that was literally the first time in my entire life that someone made me feel guilty and feel bad about having a disease in which I have zero control over. So mm-hmm. it definitely planted a bad seed in me that, frankly, like made me consider not even wanting to do Paradise if I was going to be asked later on I was pretty upset and bitter about the whole experience
1: yeah and that's completely understandable and were you most angry with production or who were you most upset with
0: um it was a combination of production Mike and Hannah to be honest like it's like really like the show is supposed to Bring forth positivity, which I get it, drama is, is a big part of it for the ratings and the entertainment factor, but like if the show's sole purpose is to help people find love and to bring forward your vulnerabilities and things that make you uniquely who you are, and for them to take something like my disease that has made me who I am and continues to shape me and to put the spin on it that it did, it was, it just was really a slap in the face. And um, I just, for the life of me, couldn't understand. What I did to anybody to deserve that because I was really respectful and polite to all of the staff, all of the producers, the camera people, the people who clean the mansion, all the castmates mm. and I just it just put a really bad taste in my mouth
1: but That's show this
0: baby right
1: yes, yes well I'm very sorry to hear that cam that you were treated so unfairly before we move on from the bachelorette is there anything that you can tell us that we don't know about that we that you're allowed to kind of spill about behind the scenes maybe a fun story that happened i'm just gonna you know put that challenge out to you if there's anything
0: okay um i think there's this misconception and a lot of people probably know that that chris harrison's like always around but he, (laughs) he really isn't he's mainly only there on on like rose ceremony days um, but he's, he's pretty easy to talk to. I obviously got a lot more, um, time to chat with him in paradise cause he's there more frequently, obviously, cause out there in Mexico is much harder to get to than Just being in his LA neighborhood. <laughs> um, but the big thing is it's not scripted at all. People, people, Oh, they, they told you to say this. It's like, no. Is, and if a producer ever tells you to say something and you say it, then that's on you for making that mistake, right? You're there at free will. So um, I was the house chef, like I told you guys earlier. I made amazing omelets and gumbo and steak and spaghetti and all the things, and I should have just poisoned everybody. (laughs) That's one (laughs) way to to eliminate them.
1: Wow. Okay, you heard that here first, guys. (laughs) That's crazy. There's going to be a Netflix show on that, I feel like. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'm I'm the next uh, bro erotic.
1: Right. Oh, my
0: God. That was so funny. I'm his nephew.
1: Right. Oh my God. So before we move on from that, what did you think about Peter being the bachelor from your kind of crop of guys? Did you see that? What I'm hearing is Peter was so shy and like kept to himself and it was kind of shocking that he kind of became the next bachelor. Were you surprised?
0: I was surprised out of our group of guys that he was selected, but like after certain things were unveiled to the public about certain other cast members, um, it would make sense why he was a safe bet, uh, but Peter was always nice to me. I mean, granted, I was over there for about two and a half weeks, so I didn't get a whole lot of time with him. But it's like, you guys have already had a pilot before. Like, let's mix it up a little <laughs> bit. Like, I thought they were at least going to go with, with Mike, you know, male African-American lead, but obviously there's reasons why they chose not to go that route. And then yeah. you know, a lot of people say, oh, Tyler Cameron. But it's like, okay, well, um, right after, after the final row, they start this you know, dating Gigi Habib. So there's there's a lot of things, I think, that went into them deciding, uh, Peter, um, whether or not that was a good choice. I mean, that's up for the viewers to say.
1: Yeah. I'm Team Peter all the way. I think you know that. But we won't get into all that's happened recently. Um, but I'm definitely Team Peter. This podcast supports the Webers 100%. Oh, yeah,
0: they seem great. I, uh, oh, you know, yeah. Our, more power to her i I think my mom would be the same way and that's actually one thing that was always in the back of my mind if i ever did make it far enough to get hometown my mom is like just like barb she's like zero bullshit and overly protective of me at times so uh i know she got a lot of a a lot of flack from the public um but there's also people who are like team barb too so it's like Yeah.
1: both sides are gonna always have you know some fans but um that's just where I stand. But uh, so when you were approached for Bachelor in Paradise, it sounds like you were kind of still bitter about what had happened, which completely understandable. Did you then kind of just say, what the hell? Let's just do this. I mean, it's Mexico. It's a free trip to Mexico, right? You never know. what could happen.
0: Yeah. Well, my big thing was I I had to resign from my job um, going into The Bachelorette. And so the day after I got sent home from the, uh, the Bachelorette journey, that's when I was basically getting talked to about paradise. So it was very shortly thereafter. And it's like, okay, I just escaped from Alcatraz. Why would I go back into that environment? But when you are tempted with the allure of, of redemption and people acknowledging that you were done dirty, but it's like, okay, like, hey, there's people like Evan and Goose and, and Tanner and guys who weren't really seen as um, fan favorites and were somewhat villainous on their seasons of The Bachelorette, they're now, you know, happily married and have families from their significant other they met in Paradise. So, uh, And I guess the other part, too, is like, um, and I've said this on a couple of different podcasts, Hannah wasn't my top choice for Bachelorette. Like before she was announced, like I, I, when I was going through casting, I didn't have her as my top choice to be my bachelorette. Oh, so when I heard that, um, you know, someone like Kaylin would, would be there in paradise, I was like, okay, well, I'll get to meet someone who I wanted to meet anyway. Maybe I will get this redemption that I've been, you know, positioned and set up for.
1: So it was a great opportunity. That's right. I forgot that you really had, um, I don't know if you want to say as far as a crush on Kaylin, but. It was cute. I mean, I thought that it was really sweet and I was happy that you were able to see her there and meet her finally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was interesting. I got a whole set of opinions on that situation too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's always going to be opinions. I mean, that is like inescapable right in the public eye. So in Paradise, I mean, so much happened. We will, we could do a whole episode obviously on Paradise, but what were your takeaways? What were your, if you had any regrets, like would you have done anything differently again? Like I know I asked you that before about the bachelorette.
0: Um, that's, that's a good question. I think I probably would have paid a little bit more attention to Annalise um, just in terms of, like, compatibility and, and where we are at in our age and also just maturity and, and wanting marriage in a family. Uh, but, you know, she at the time appeared like her and Chris had a pretty solid thing going, but I know she got blindsided by that too. And I I should have known better about Kaylin. Like, there was already rumors that she was already sliding into Dean's DMs before she even went out to Paradise. And obviously the whole situation with Blake. Like, to me, those should have been red flags. But when you're out there in the environment and I had put her on this kind of pedestal of like, okay, this is someone who I was really excited to meet. And when I'm like ready to see how things, you know, can, can form between us, and then she only paid attention to me the night, right, leading up to a rose ceremony. It's like, okay, when I had the rose to give, it all makes sense now. I mean, she was playing the game, but hey, you know what? More power to her. I, I guess her and Dean are, are happy for the time being. So I wish them well. Yeah, but beyond that, I don't think I really would have done anything differently. I mean, it, it may have been different if I was there, you know, a couple of weeks longer and met other people. But while I was there, I mean, there wasn't really any spark or connection that I felt. And I feel very much like I'm an outsider in this Bachelor Nation world. I mean, I have the least amount of Instagram followers. Definitely don't keep in touch with most of the castmates on a regular basis. It's almost like I wasn't uh, sitting at the cool kid table at the high school cafeteria.
1: Oh, I hate to hear that. You know, it's just, I think that people know that it is a game and that, you know, Paradise especially is a game. I'm bachelor at Bachelor It is a game. It's not the number one thing, you know. You're hopefully you have a lead that's looking for love. I think Paradise is just like how many connections can I make and who's the strongest connection. I mean, that's what I get from it. But that whole Blake, Kaylin, and Christina thing to be there in the middle of all of that. I mean, what was that like? Was that just as big of a circus as it looked to us?
0: was he put into a compromising situation position? Absolutely. But uh, people would have to be naive to think that those two girls didn't know what was going on in some capacity. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very close niche group of individuals, and they've probably all met at other events and appearances, too. So, like, I don't know. I don't know all the background information. Blake was always nice to me. You know, I wish him well, too, but – it definitely did steal a lot of the thunder being out there when you're just having to deal with other people's drama. So oftentimes I just felt more so like a spectator. And actually, the most fun I had in Paradise was just sitting there drinking at the bar and shooting the shit with Wells. <laughs> that, that
1: was it. <laughs> Wells is hysterical. I met him last year. Um, we, there was a Napa Wine Train event with iHeart, and uh, uh-huh. Wells was there, and he just cracked me up. He is so fun to be around. His energy is just like – it's crazy, right? He's just – He's just one of those people where you just want to like be in his aura, you know, just like be in his orbits. It's crazy.
0: Totally. Uh, Yeah.
1: I'm so happy for him and Sarah right now. Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, just that situation kind of overtook everything, I would say. And I'm just sad that, you know, you weren't able to find a connection when you were there. I was really rooting for you. And then after you got off the show, were you kind of like, okay, I am done with Bachelor Nation. Like, I'm not going on any more shows. I am not. I mean, were you excited to go back to Paradise? Or were you definitely like, nope, I'm done with this?
0: Oh, you're saying like once it ended, and was I excited for the potential of going back again?
1: Yeah. Like, did you have, were you oh. wanting to kind of stay in the Bachelor Nation family or just kind of like make your own way and kind of, hightail it out at that point
0: i mean i think i think they have already kind of organically ousted me anyway um because nowadays with with what social media is and how much it's involved and in not just the franchise but just the contestants live after the show like there's i'd say 60 percent of them are now just influencers yeah like that's their profession i'm not hating on that like that's a good revenue stream for them a lot of them, that's how they pay their mortgages, and that's how they raise their family. Look at Jade and Tanner. I mean, they're influencers for a living. So I wouldn't say there's any bitterness towards the franchise at all, but was there excitement to get right back into that environment? I'd say no, because, <laughs> you know, the old saying, fool me once, <laughs> right. shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. So if, if, if I were to go back, that would be all on me to be that naive to think that I would have a different outcome.
1: So I hope I'm getting this correctly because um, I recall seeing probably a few months after uh, Paradise aired that you and Kerpa had become good friends. Is that right?
0: <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So I, right when I got out of Paradise, um, I actually went on a trip with Matt Donald, Kerpa, Elise, uh, Caitlin, James Taylor, and a couple other friends to Costa Rica. And it had nothing to do with um, with The Bachelor or anything. It wasn't like a Bachelor sponsor trip. We just all had an opportunity to go out there, and we all had a great time. That was my first time to meet Kerpa in person. and So we just developed a really good friendship, and that's really all it's been. Um, her and Alex and Matt Donald came down to Austin for my birthday party last year, and my kind of going-away party before I moved back to Houston. So... I did one post picture with her and all of a sudden there's like rumors flying around that we're dating because I take a picture
1: with somebody. Yep, yep. That was the one I was, yeah. I was referring to and I wanted you to clear yeah. that up because I wasn't sure. I didn't know if maybe you guys had dated in the past, so I wanted to ask. I'm just asking a question. I wasn't, you know, assuming yeah, anything. Totally. Totally. Um, But it was a really adorable photo. After everything kind of wrapped and you're kind of getting back into real life again, because you said you had to leave your job, your, your previous job. So where, what did you do? Did you then start a new career or did you try to get back into that old career?
0: Well, it was it all had to do with timing because I, I basically only had two weeks of vacation at my old job in Austin that I was using that two weeks to be on the bachelorette. And I came to an agreement with my boss at the time. I was like, look, if I'm there for longer than two weeks, I'm just going to have to resign. And assuming my position still available when I get back from a bachelorette, like, let's just proceed as business as usual. And he said, okay, great. So as I was saying earlier, the day that I got back from the bachelorette, they're already talking to me about paradise. I'm like, okay, well, when does filming for that start? Because I would feel terrible basically getting my old job back only to leave them again, you know, two months down the road. So I just took the choice to take a little professional hiatus and just work out with a trainer and just work on some mental exercises, if you will, in getting ready for Paradise because it was only a month and a half away that we started filming Paradise from when I got eliminated from The Bachelorette. So it was pretty shortly thereafter. And that's why I didn't jump right back into my old job. But then when I got out of Paradise, that's when I was like, okay, let's reevaluate just in general what I'm doing with my life. And that's when I got involved with this nonprofit called LEARN, which stands for Lymphatic Education Research Network. And I got to become good friends with Taffy Bates the uh, actress, Mm. because she also has lymphedema, and she's the national spokesperson for this nonprofit. So started speaking at different conferences, um, did a keynote at Harvard Medical School, and then that's what opened up the opportunity to have the job that I have now in Houston in the lymphedema space.
1: Wow, that's incredible. So you could say that because of the, you know, this whole foray into the Bachelor world, it kind of got you into this awesome new career in a way right because you would have
0: oh not not 100 okay there's no doubt in my mind that's why i will never be bitter towards bachelor nation and like for the people who are listening like yeah if if i bitch and complain about production that's just because i'm bitter about certain things but overall i am extremely blessed and thankful to have had the opportunity because it really did make me become comfortable in my own skin and embrace this disease that I have on a national public level, which has fueled my desire to, to do the work that I do today in the lymphedema medical space. And um, and that's something I'll forever be indebted in, to the, the franchise for, for sure.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Something so beautiful to come out of, you know, all of that anxiety and stress. And I don't know if you have PTSD uh, uh, from it or not, but I know some people uh, do.
0: I think I, think I do. Uh, every... Uh... I think every contestant does because mm-hmm. the other part too is like you could have been the most loved contestant of all time. And one thing that we all have in common now, especially with social media is the cyberbullying and the death threats and the DMS and all of the memes and all the things that come out, especially if you weren't a fan favorite, like myself, like I've been victim to all of that. And it really does force you to develop a pretty thick skin and, um, you know, count your blessings. That's for sure.
1: Again, I'm really sorry to hear that. I will say that on my page on Instagram, I delete any negative comments that I get. And I even say in my caption, you know, if you write something negative, it's going to be deleted. So don't even waste your time. Because I feel like people don't do that enough and say, you know, this is unacceptable and there's just no reason. There's so much going on in the world today. Why? Why put out more negativity? Why put out more bad? You know, we we, we need as much good as possible. So I wish more people would do that.
0: Yep. That's why I stay off Twitter. I don't want to get into these little trolling contests. And I, I try to keep everything on my Instagram, for example, as positive as possible. that people see it now. It's pretty much just stuff about lymphedema and nonprofit stuff that I do.
1: I love that. I think that says so much about you and your character. So I really appreciate that, Cam. So – can you talk about what is going on in your job with the coronavirus going on? I mean, because you're in the hospitals, you're seeing, you know, yeah, on the front yep. lines. Can you kind of talk about that and how serious this is?
0: Yeah, I think initially when the you know outbreak caught wind and was starting to be more publicized in, in the media in the United States, people, the general public was downplaying it. They, oh, this is just something that happened over overseas it's not going to be bad America has the best healthcare blah 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 like people were definitely underestimating the severity of everything and my, you know, myself included uh, it wasn't until some of the top physicians that I know that are my accounts that I call on and, and their patients that I help treat one of them pulled me aside and, and had a little heart to heart with me before things started to get really bad and she started going over the data in the things that she knew and the infrastructural challenges that we were going to have with things like the ventilators and the hospital beds and the staff. And what happens if one surgeon gets the virus, what that can do to an entire department. And living in Houston, Texas, we have the largest medical center in the United States and mm-hmm. in, in the medical center here in, in Houston. So knowing that we're not just a state hub, but we are an international global hub that patients from all over come for cancer treatment or cardiovascular treatment. So having one of those top surgeons tell me that, it really did kind of scare me straight. And what I've seen in the field, I've seen patients recover. I've seen patients die. I've seen anything and everything in between. But what has been amazing is to see just the general public and everyone kind of rally around our first responders and people on the front line and people who are in and out of hospitals every day. Um, that's been super inspiring. It's kind of the uh, silver lining in the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And once we do all get through this, I think we will have even more so better appreciation for our healthcare workers. I know I do, even being one of them.
1: I seriously hope so. And we all want to thank you for what you've, you know, what you're doing on a daily basis or going into the front lines like that. (laughs) Every day. Okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah. That's, um. mask, gloves, everything. Wow. I know. And I get anxiety just putting on a mask and gloves going into Target or, you know, the grocery store. Like, I can't imagine the level of anxiety that you're, that you're feeling. Are you sleeping well at night? Like, I'm a sleep coach. So, of course, I got to ask you that.
0: Yeah. Um. It's funny you ask that. Uh, the past couple weeks have been a little bit restless, mainly just because my, my business and what I do professionally has, has had some changes. There might have been a couple people who are furloughed temporarily. Um, and, and I have such a unique hybrid role, but there is still very much a sales, like medical device sales element of it too, where part of my compensation depends on that. And if a lot of my clinics that were my top referral sources, if they're temporarily closing down, like, yeah, that trickles down and impacts – the income that I bring in. And that's something that's completely outside of my control. And when things are outside of my control, that's the things that tend to give me a little bit more anxiety and impact my sleep.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, Anything, any, anytime anything is out of my control, that definitely affects my sleep. Um, I just want to mention that weighted blankets are God's gift to us. So if you don't have one, you should definitely <laughs> invest in one. Um, they're amazing. So hot
0: in Texas, though.
1: Do they breathe well they do yeah and they have kind of lighter okay. weight ones like you would laugh at okay. mine I mean I'm in California but it's still pretty warm here you know usually but mine is like fleece <laughs> like it's super it's super thick and my husband's just like oh my god you are ridiculous with that wall of a blanket but I sleep like a rock I mean I don't even move when I'm under that blanket so he can say whatever he wants but I'm telling you those things are game changers.
0: I've experimented with CBD, too. That's helped a little bit, too. So oh, I mean, yes. There's some holistic things you can do, melatonin tablets, things like
1: that. For sure, yeah. Well, I hope that you do get good rest because you do need all your energy and, and uh, keep your you know your immunity high uh, being out there. So, again, we thank you for what you're doing. Before we wrap up, I'd love to play a little game called This or That. I play it with um, okay. several Bachelor Nation people, and they, they really enjoy it. So... If you were to choose between beer or wine, what would you
0: choose? Uh, now wine.
1: Do you have a favorite?
0: I like Cabernet, and I, a lot of people roll their eyes. we like are like <laughs> winos, but I, I like it cold. Cold? I'm not putting ice in Cabernet, but I like it chilled, yeah.
1: Oh, interesting. You know, I'm actually the same way, so I'm not going to give you shit about that. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And I'll, and I'll aerate it, too, to get extra bougie. Okay. Cold, aerated Cabernet. That's the weight of my heart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, pizza or pasta? Mm, pizza. Pizza. Sweet or salty?
0: Sweet for sure.
1: Brunch or like a fourth meal, like a like a midnight pizza run, something like that.
0: Brunch. I'm I'm very basic. There's some good brunch <laughs> spots in Austin and Houston for sure. Like I you, love br- a good mimosa.
1: Liking brunch is not basic at all. Oh, uh,
0: okay. <laughs> you're funny. Called worse.
1: Uh call me basic all day long if liking brunch means <laughs> you're basic. Yeah. Right? Um, movie or read a book?
0: Oh, movie for sure. I hate reading. I read so much all day, like reading's the last thing I want to do when I'm vlogging off.
1: I was gonna say you sound like you read all the time, but you do just for work, not for pleasure. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, every now and then I'll read you know, some of the self-help books and things like that. But I, I read so many medical documents all day and case information. Patients hundreds of pages along. That the last thing I want to do for my eyes is to read when I get off work. So I, I love a good series to binge watch.
1: Oh, my God. 100%. Summer or winter? Summer. So you prefer the beach over the mountains? Oh, yeah. Road trip or fly?
0: road trip i I have always had a dream of holding an old Volkswagen van and driving out across the country
1: oh that's good i've done that two times it's absolutely necessary before you leave this earth to be to go on a cross-country road trip there's nothing like it
0: yeah for sure (laughs)
1: let's see scary movie or a funny movie
0: funny hate scary movies same yes
1: spend or save
0: Um, I'm right dad in the middle, but do I have to be this or that?
1: (laughs) This or that, that's the game.
0: Okay, I mean, I guess spend, spend it if you got it. Okay, gotcha.
1: This has been so much fun. I just want to ask you one more thing. Okay, so my last question for you is, are you single today?
0: See, that part of my life was public for so long. Well, not really public, but like on the show, that that's something I really don't even talk about anymore. Okay.
1: I can respect that.
0: That was the one question you had.
1: (laughs) That was the one question I had. You have told me so much. I mean, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners that you want them to know about you? I think that you, at least my mind, not that I ever was thinking anything bad about you, but my mind's definitely changed of who you are and who you were perceived was nothing like how you were on the show. So I I think my job is done here, but you know yeah, I mean.
0: Thank
1: you. Oh, of course. No, this is this is so much fun for me. I love connecting with people, all kinds of people. I have a sociology background, so it's just in my nature. But especially in Bachelor Nation, because you guys are edited so severely, and either it could be good or bad, right? But we want to know the real people and who we are have we.
0: No control over that. Yeah, yeah, and. And I think what's important to understand, just for all the listeners, is that look like it takes a lot to go out there, and it's not just to become an Instagram influencer or anything like that. Like people who go out there with the purest of intentions, oftentimes get the most criticized, and I feel I fell victim to that. But that's okay, because like I was saying earlier, the silver lining of this all is it's given me better line of sight of my purpose and I get to help real human beings every single day and I love what I do and I will forever love bachelor nation because of that
1: oh I love that and I hope that you feel more love you know from the bachelor nation fans and just the people out there in general who have seen you on tv especially you know after hearing this hopefully but because I am a reality tv podcast I I would like to ask you uh what's your favorite reality tv show do you have any
0: yeah, right now it's 90 Day Fiance, and I'm obsessed with Big Ed.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have to watch that show. I have heard it is hysterical, that it is so addicting. I watch, like, every other reality TV show but that one, so maybe I should start watching it.
0: Yeah, it's it's a good one for sure.
1: And what are you binging currently on Netflix?
0: Uh, I'm almost done with... Uh, too hot to handle, which is basically <laughs> like yes. paradise, but not. It's I don't know. It's it's not super cringy. It's just like it, I was expecting it to be more cringe. Um, and like everyone, I finished I finished uh, Tiger King. Carol Baskin did kill her husband. I don't care what anyone says she did it. Yep. About to start uh, the final season of Shakes Creek, and that will be that will be it for me.
1: Okay. Too Hot to Handle was very, very entertaining. I absolutely loved it. I loved all the twists that came after, you know, the rules were made. And um, I love how it ended. I mean, that was a great show. I'm hoping that we'll definitely do a, a season two for sure. And Love is Blind. Did you watch Love is Blind?
0: I did, yeah. That was another good one.
1: I've been interviewing the people that were not on were not shown very much on the show or at all that actually some of them did get engaged and did have like love stories and go on to kind of have relationships so if you're interested in any of those listeners you can go and listen to those episodes that are available now I think I have like three or four out and about three or four more coming so um, that was really fun because I had no nobody knows Any of these stories. Yeah, no one knows. They don't. They didn't know anything. Nothing was shown. Nothing was aired. So it was kind of crazy. But, well, Cam, thank you so much for calling in and being on the show, being a wonderful guest. I'm so happy I got to get to know you, that our listeners got to get to know you better. And um, thank you for sharing so much of your life with us. I mean, you really... You really opened up and shared a lot of what was on your heart, and I'm hoping you're you're feeling better about, you know, your experience and um, sounds like your life is pretty awesome right now. So I'm so happy for you.
0: Thank you so much. And in closing, ABC,
1: always be cozy. Oh, I love it. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) Yes, as Cam said, always be cozy. You guys stay safe out there. Until next time, bye.